Write that. Write that down, Fumi Saito. Hello from Tokyo. That's right. That's not just a catchphrase. I'm actually in Tokyo. And today, Fumi and I, we did our first live in-person podcast. Exciting! I'm still tingling over Muto Final. Yes, tingling all over. All over. Did you watch Muto Final? If you didn't and you're listening to this, I really recommend going out of your way to get the pay-per-view, do the damn thing. Watch the Japanese version of Rock vs. Hogan in Muto and Naito. That's right. I said that. You believe it. Because it's the truth. Today we're talking Muto Final. Ah, this was so fun and the show was amazing. And like I said, I'm still processing all of it. Japanese wrestling is in good hands, I think. If you have not already subscribed to Fight Game Media podcast feed on Spotify or Apple or wherever you're listening to your podcast, please do it right now. It helps us very much. And we've been seeing the growth gradually. And again, thank you, thank you, thank you. On behalf of Fight Game Media and myself, Fumi Saito, thanks for the support. It's going to be a good year, and we're going to bring you some really cool stuff, and I'm excited to do that for you guys. All right. Fumi and I talking Muto Final. Let's go. All right, ready? Say, no. Hello, Hello from, from Tokyo. Tokyo. <laughs> That's the whole plan we got for today, because we're right next to each other in Tokyo for the first time. This is the first time we've ever done this. I guess so. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so... Let's first talk about Keiji Muto. Keiji Muto. Keiji Muto's retirement match, retirement, the whole tour of it, and also a very symbolic uh, retirement match, and also what do you call it? Uh, the uh, uh, encore or the, the carton call. Uh, yeah, bonus the, match. Bonus too. match, yeah. Everybody was so surprised. I was shocked. Uh, I think only, I was told only a handful of people uh at ringside knew right and the ring announcer knew g-man he had to know because he was going to make the official call but other than that it was a it was a surprise it was a and also it's 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 a match but it's not really actual match one minute and 30 seconds of it it's all you know chono come in with street clothes Mm. and took his jacket off he was ready to go okay yes and what's amazing is that uh, he he actually walks with his cane. I mean, regularly. But the, when he stepped into the ring, he just turned into wrestler, and he could probably do it. You know, and he looked like a Superman for one minute and thirty seven seconds. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As he takes off his trademark signature shades, that he's Chono again. Yeah. That was something I thought was so cool, and it was so uh, indicative of. His charisma is all he had to do is take off his glasses and the whole arena went, ooh. That's him. Because when he goes to TV shows and other things, he does not take that big, you know, the dark shades off. Never. The entire time. Even he's when he's doing like a TV appearance. He's always wearing, wearing it. Like, I mean, indoor. 
like a Stevie Wonder or something. I guess, yeah. <laughs> so he, when he takes off, he had this look. What was your reaction when that happened? Oh, that was like, it was really nice that the, also that the actual match, Naito beat Muto, right? Mm. And the Muto turning his back to turnbuckle. And he's like, are you still there? Kind of thing, almost, <laughs> you know. Then he opens the rope for Naito. All right, uh, the match was great. It's ah. done. And then he just, yeah, not to get out, but respectfully that, uh, all right, uh, showed you a way out of the ring. And mm. he, you know, get out of the ring. And uh, Muto has something to say. Mm. And then he finally grabs house mic and say, Chono, and talking to his commentary table. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fight me, right? Fight so, me. Yeah. Come on. He said, come on. Yeah, come on. Fight me. It's like a, this is a bonus track. Like, oh, that was great. very much welcome. This is a, probably people were okay if it didn't happen because mm. the match was really good and very symbolic. But it was like Muto had more, you know, mm. in, his, in his sleeve. Yeah, we thought maybe Chono would come in and they would hug, take a bow, and walk out. To, okay, that that's that, that was okay too. Then I think did. maybe we thought that. Yeah, I read an article that Chono he wrote. It was maybe numbers or something, and he said, oh, "I I felt framed because President Takeda at the." He was acting weird last summer at the press conference, and he wouldn't make eye contact with me, and <laughs> okay. he he would give me short kind of answers and walk away, but. He knew it was one of his ideas too. So. Sure, because it was. They both debuted in October of 1984. One, you know, Chono and Muto against each other. Both guys debut match, mm. and, and useless trivia. But Muto beat Chono the debut match with very beginning of this moonsault thing. Yeah, early stage moonsault. We should probably also talk about they had a really really famous G1 match. Oh, of course. The and first annual and it was match. Maybe one of Chono's most important matches. Yeah, I think so. Because everybody thought, well, in a way that uh, everybody knew that Muto was more talented one mm. and become like the bigger star. But it was that the G1 Climax final that uh, it really elevated Chono to to become Three Musketeer. Mm. It's, it's always been th Three Musketeer. Muto, Chono, and Hashimoto starting out the same same day. Class of 1984, New Japan, Noge Dojo. Mm. And, uh, but it was that G1 climax. Of course, ultimately, Chono became Mr. Summer, Mr. G1 mm -hmm. after that. And uh, it was a very, very important match for both of them. Both what, of them. What do you... Th you said that earlier. Like, uh, people knew... Chono wasn't like the athletic talent that Muto was. Uh, not as shiny, you know. The, the, you don't have moonsault, you don't have handspring elbow, you know. And mm. uh, Muto is a real good-looking guy. And Chono, what's so special about Chono, right? Because people had to wonder for mm. a while in, in white trunks and all that. The Hashimoto was a heavy one, mm. kicks and so much emotion. You yeah, know what I'm saying? Like, it's like a Japanese hero warrior or something. Yeah, yeah, distinctive. And almost also Hashimoto was more of a country bumpkin type. You know? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. And uh, Chono was kind of it city was, boy. Yeah, he grew up in Tokyo. Yeah. So he connected with people in a, a little bit different way than those two. Yeah. And in, in Japanese term, it's called oshare, you uh, know? stylish, yeah, kind yeah. of like a, you know, wrestling throughout the years has always been a little outside of mainstream fashion. What's going on? It's always a little bit behind, you know. Yeah, but in a way, yeah. But Chono really felt 
like you said, avant garde. Uh, yeah, yeah, and, and he he dressed really cool clothing, mm-hmm. you know, the outside the ring. See, whereas Hashimoto will be wearing New Japan top and bottom. Mm-hmm. I mean, outside the ring mm-hmm. every day, like a you know, tracksuit top sure. and bottom, or t-shirt, mm. you know, like like your pajama, or you know what I'm saying? Kind of like a like a athlete, like a outside of. Outside of the ring, just what the you gym, expect. yeah, like a jock, yeah, real jock. jock. Yeah, and Muto didn't really care what he wore, right? Mm. But the Chono looked always nice. I mean, nice clothing. I mm. mean, just fashionable, and uh, he really looks like he's from like really Tokyo guy. Mm. You know, yeah. Can I tell you something? It's a little bit similar, but at the Tokyo Dome before the show, when all the wrestlers were getting in, we we're walking around backstage. Yeah, and Okada arrived. Yeah, and Okada. Had to have been wearing like eight thousand, ten thousand dollar suit, <laughs> like the the British cut yeah, yeah, blue yeah. suit and uh, like a travel bag that was like Gucci, yeah, or, Gucci or Louis Vuitton or something like that. Right? And he had maybe two or three people around him. Sure, and it looked it. Everybody was walking around. It's just what it was. But when he came in, right. It was like as a movie star. Yeah, like Ric Flair style. Very yeah. much. Nick Bockwinkel, Ric yeah. Flair. Like, who is that guy? Even if you didn't <laughs> know about wrestling, right. you know, he's something. But on the other hand, you have a different style guy. I saw Kano walking around too, but he was just wearing a pink t-shirt and flip-flops and sure. shorts. Yeah, that's also style. You know, it, everyone has their different apo- approach, but that look. Of Okada, huh? Yeah. And uh, Chono, it's not the same, but it's the same feeling. That kind of aura. Yeah. You, the and more avant-garde, not really like Louis Vuitton or anything like that, but like his design. Well, he has Aristo Toristo, his own right. brand of clothing. This, uh, yeah. But, but uh, uh, yeah, you, you're wearing that. Gebora Kampfer. Yeah, well, that uh, German Kampfer, yeah. Kampfer, yeah. Kampfer, yeah. Yes, yeah. so, yeah. yeah, so Chono was always like really stylish, you know, and he didn't become wrestling fan until like... 1819. Mm-hmm. Not a wrestling fan until he watched one summer. You know, he watched Fujinami against Choshu and mm-hmm. decided that uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this. Mm-hmm. Until then, he was playing soccer. Mm-hmm. You know, and then he probably wanted to be a J leaguer. Sure. Yeah. Uh, and then I- he attend actually enrolled in college too. The college he never really went to classes. <laughs> yeah. It's funny, Choshu and Fujinami, who were right there at ringside too. That during the match, yeah. That program that they had, of course, the wrestling was great, but it was also that that special chemistry or fire those two had. Sure. To a little bit more, not entertainment, but the thing that makes wrestling really exciting to the outside drama. And of course, Fujinami was Antonio Inoki's num- number one pupil, right? Mm-hmm. Disciple. I mean, exact Inoki style wrestling, and he. If you you know, if you grew up watching Friday night eight o'clock channel, you know, channel ten TV Asahi World Pro Wrestling, Fujinami comes on first. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Then eight forty or eight thirty-five, Inoki has his main event for ten minutes. But uh, people watched Fujinami just as much as they were watching Inoki. Actually, mm-hmm. yeah. he was like a like the. Opening act for Inoki that you you needed, but Not still star star, but yeah. it was a, a great way to open a New Japan show, and it really gave eight New o'clock J- right on. New yeah. Japan was really you're gonna see. And the also dragon. he was see. he they basically created junior heavyweight division for Fujinami, yeah, mm. yeah, 
So there's two sets of champions. Junior heavyweight champion Fujinami comes in, comes on first. Then heavyweight superstar Antonio Inoki. Mm. Then a lot of Americans. Andrew the Giant, Hulk Hogan, Stans, you know, that. Uh, Dick Murdoch. Yeah, Tiger Jeet Singh, and time to time Abdullah the Butcher. Mm. He, oh, of course, he jumped back. Mm. Brody, OG, too. Brody, Jimmy Snuka, yeah. Mass superstar, of course. Yeah, so it was like. Superstar show on Friday night, eight o'clock, and Fujinami was always there. And Ricky Choshu didn't become superstar until he turned on him. Right. Yeah. Right. And that, that long, kind of, long hair heel. That drama, I always kind of associated a Chono with that sort of. He had that. He brought that heat to his matches sometimes when he would yell at people. Before sure, him. sure. And then in the mid '90s when he changed to the, the black dark, charisma. Yeah. 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 Which is, uh, how much of that did he pick up from overseas uh, when he was, because uh, early 90s, he, would, he was in Germany, he was in yeah, the US. Yeah, that too, yeah. But he really um, made his own image, you know, while he was in Japan, though, really, that mm. uh, what can be done. It's not Antonio Inoki, it's not Fujinami, it's not Riki Choshu, mm. that, uh, and always going to have Muto and Hashimoto right next to you, right? Mm. And you got to be different and unique and original. So he really thought about it. Mm. Yeah. Uh, You can tell and it carried through all of these years. And as soon as Muto called his name out that night, it was like 1990s all over. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. And also it was good to have, you know, the aged Choshu and Fujinami sitting in the ringside, side by side together. It's like Ric Flair and Dusty Rose sitting together. Yeah. Imagine Ric Flair and Dusty Rose sitting together, smiling and laughing. Uh, Yeah. They're having a great time watching Keiji Muto actually retiring. Oh, you yeah. told me a good story that I couldn't really notice from behind the, the table, but when Muto, during his match with Naito, went, before he did Misawa's Emerald Frozen... Yeah, and he signaled, actually signaled ringside Marufuji and, and Takashi Sugiura, the second thing, right, right, right on April. And he signaled real quick, do you think I can do this? Then went into Emerald Flosion. It was mm. like, they, you just did the Misawa, uh, that, I mean, uh, Hashimoto vertical karate chop, then even flow DDT. So it's like, people went nuts, you know, like when people were chanting, Hashimoto, 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 Hashimoto. Then Muto started doing the Misawa move. Then all of a sudden people registered right away. Misawa, Misawa, Misawa. Then people crying right there. Yeah. I mean, yeah, just... Uh, People get it right away, huh? I mean, and that's Japanese audience. They, those two, unfortunately and tragically, they never had a chance to have this retirement moment. match. Yeah, they go grand finale or, or yeah, farewell. Right. And I think him doing that really helped kind of close the chapter. Of course, on Showa, Heisei, Heisei. Yeah, and then also that's what Muto has been telling people: pro wrestling love. Yes. Right. Yeah. At the end of the show, the we theme. saw Pro Wrestle Love, yeah. Muto, Misawa, Hashimoto pictures. Yeah, and almost in black and white fashion. Yeah. Yeah, yeah to send people home. It was yeah. a beautiful story. And again, I got to give more credit to Naito, too. He was really genius. Yeah, this. today's superstar, you know. Mm-hmm. And the, the post-match interview that the Muto was giving, you know, if this wrestling business went down, it's Naito's fault, right? <laughs> That's yeah. right, yeah. yeah. Then he, he, Muto has this, you know, almost strange sense of humor, but he's honest. Hmm. Or if, you know, have, 
retirement match like this and Tokyo Dome situation like this and people enjoying this in all the newspaper and sports page magazine coverage if wrestling business went down from here it's all Naito's fault <laughs> I mean, he, he probably was a, a real honest about it right in ways yeah especially when you talk about the Japanese business and I Naito is a huge star over the world but I don't know if people really realize his presence in Japan he's the guy yeah, he will be the guy. This year, he'll probably win IWGP uh, World Heavyweight title mm-hmm. and probably win G1 Climax in summer. Mm-hmm. And this year, to, year 2023, will be Naito's year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I believe that. Mm-hmm. He was great. Because people wonder, okay, this grand you know, retirement tour since last fall, you know, this Ariake Arena to Yokohama Arena to Budokan with Shinsuke Nakamura to this Tokyo Dome thing, and it was all about Muto's retirement tour, right? Then after that, what's going to happen to Pro Wrestling No, You do have momentum, mm. right? Mm. But uh, some some people say, but it, will, it, 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 it might end at, at Muto's retirement match. Sure, yeah, sure. but. The momentum's there right now mm-hmm. that uh, Muto will be physically gone from the ring. You know, he'll probably may be a you know guest commentator or something. You know, you know, time to time. But it it will be well, kind of test of the time too. But uh, pro wrestling nor right now has pretty strong momentum. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's up to what happens this summer. We'll see what happens this summer. And also, yeah, I think you know, Kiyomiya not winning. Mm-hmm. Um, Okada's match, people, some people are upset, but it's like, of course, at this point in his career, there's no way Kiyomi will be beating Okada. But it was important to have such this setup, you know, this, like a double main event. Mm-hmm. And IWGP champion Okada against GHC champion Kiyomiya is like a double main event situation. Of course, both champions, non title, but it was champion against champion match. And everybody knows Okada so much better right now at this point and so much more experienced. But it was Kiyomiya's match. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually. And you know what? In my opinion, after the match, I feel like both are sort of elevated in their own uh, directions. Kiyomiya's story is still clear. He's he's climbing, climbing, climbing up the ladder, but Okada is getting to his next level. Yeah, too. being a big wall. Yeah, yeah, yeah of course. The man. He's yeah. the man. Yeah, because it's the same way that the Keiji Muto Tetsuya Naito match already actually happened back in 2006. Yeah, 11 years ago. Oh, no, no. Was it 2012? So that, okay, 2012. Yeah, 2012. I'm sorry. Yeah. So 11 years. So that match actually took place. So if you remember the match, you get that much more out of that. And this Kiyomiya Okada match will be talked about 10 years from now. It'll be a big component in the next matches they have. Yeah, not right away. But there's going to be a time that there will be a big main event, Okada against Kiyomiya in big stage. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And this match will mean something again. Which is great because quite a few moments on this show, I think we're going to come back to and look at whether if you're talking about a New Japan wrestler like Okada, Takahashi, Naito, or even the Noah versus All Japan. There was so many new stories that opened up. From yeah, that. yeah. Same way Hiromu Takahashi mm. against Amakusa. Yeah. That was a good story. Amakusa, GHC champion, and Hiromu, junior, champion, yeah. Yeah, junior heavyweight champion, IWGP. It was champion against champion match, non-title, of course, but it really elevated Amakusa. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I, I can't think of a better match I've seen him in, and he was fired up. 
for that match. Oh, the little guy, but so talented. Fearless. Yeah. Pretty uh, fearless doing that Fosbury flop through the ropes. Yeah, yeah. 30 seconds in. That was, yeah, great story. And too. also, he just, he, look at it, look at his face, Amaksu's face. Mm. So focused, so focused. And it, it was very important that at the, uh, the, uh, right after the match, it was Hiromu Takahashi who walks up to Amaksa. Hiromu Takahashi was the one who wanted to shake his hand mm. instead mm. of Amaksa wanted to shake hands. Almost more important than the result, you know? Yeah, I think so. I think so. And also, there was a backstory. You, you can go ahead and tell. Oh, Tokyo yeah. Tornado. They, they used to be a tag team called Tokyo Tornado. Maybe. In UK, independent. 13 years ago? Yeah. They used to share an apartment together for about three months. Yeah, when they were, what, 18? Yeah. yeah. So, so yeah. it's like, imagine uh, you're having a bout with your, your college buddy that you haven't seen in 10 years, and you both are in the same industry, but you finally meet back up. And uh, and, and there was elements of that uh, England time, too, when Hiromu took the mat, the Kenbai mask. Kenbai mask, yeah, wear that. Yeah. No, I'm not. You know, just it was very symbolic. Well, you can watch the match without knowing the Kenbai background. Sure. But uh, it means a lot more if you learn about this, you know, the backstory. Yeah, and even without the backstory, it was like, I'm not this person anymore. I'm Amakusa. Amakusa. Yeah. I'm the new guy. Amakusa actually is a Japanese myth, the, the legend, you know, from like uh, ancient Japan. Oh, okay. Yeah, Amakusa. Yeah. I kind of get like almost a Hakushi feeling. Oh, okay. Not the same, but uh, the same mystical a yeah, little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and and they'll be doing the tag tag up and the junior tournament. I think it's next week. Yeah, and also yeah. people will be paying a lot more close attention to character Amakusa from this point forward. Yeah, definitely. And yeah. Of course, Hiromu Takahashi is megastar right now. Oh, megastar. I can't yeah. think. Is he the, maybe one of the biggest junior heavyweights, most popular? Yeah, yeah right now, yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Now that Liga's, you know, retired. I, I think of a lot of great junior heavyweights, but I feel, when I think of Hiromu Takahashi, I feel like he's big. Oh, oh above everybody else, yeah. yes. And yeah. also, junior heavyweight division is not just weight class. It's a style yes. of wrestling, yes. you know. Because a lot of the Japanese wrestlers physically in cruiserweight, junior heavyweight division weight class. But that doesn't mean you're a junior heavyweight star. It's just junior heavyweight is another genre. Almost, mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, and it's funny because I was looking at the pictures over over there on your on your wall, and you tower over a lot of these <laughs> junior heavyweights. <laughs> Not tower, but the, yeah, but the, yeah. Uh, They're small guys. Yeah, because when I was in, in like a teenage, I couldn't be wrestler. Mm -hmm. You know, like uh, either you have audition at the, at the New Japan Dojo or All Japan Dojo, right? And it's like only two or three companies and UWF that you cannot be professional wrestler. Now that if you want to be wrestler now, you can go to wrestling school or you can go to start with an independent company or be coached by some former wrestlers and such, much like the States. But in, in way back in 80s, early 80s, that you cannot be professional wrestler if you wanted to. You know? Right. Yeah, it was so hard. Even yeah. for great wrestlers like Ultimo Dragon, great Sasuke. Oh, they couldn't pass New Japan audition. You know, they were in the New Japan Dojo or New Japan Wrestling School, but like, you guys cannot debut here. Right. That's why Ultimo Dragon packed up and went to, you know, just left country and went to Mexico, and he chose to do so. But he was so talented that they, you know the rest of the story. Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, and we've we've talked about that on our past shows, which you can check out, of course, on. Uh... Yeah, but the, the Amakusa is another person like that too. That he was coached by Dick Togo. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. 
Dick Togo School of Wrestling, and it's like he chose that he wanted to learn from Dick Togo. You know, now that the, today's Dick Togo pretty much come out come off like a New Japan heel manager, right? Now he's been with the, I guess two years. Yeah, now, huh? but but he isn't. He really is one of the greatest wrestler, really. I mean, to this day, and he is yeah. a very important part of Michinoku Pro as well. Not not just a great Sasuke, but I, when I think that, I think of Kaientai. Kaientai, and he was in WWE too, you know, for mm -hmm. one year. And not just that, but the, his creativity, and execution, and his psychology, and his like. We probably could have worked for New, New Japan or Old Japan mm -hmm. or Pro Wrestling Noah for that matter, but he chose to be where he is, mm -hmm. really. Yeah, and he had a bat. I mean, he's much uh, thinner now. But when he started out, he had a very different body style too. Yeah. It wasn't what you would see in New Japan or UWF or All Japan. He had a kind of like Rudo body style, kind of round. Round, he could yeah, move. Heavy, heavy, heavy upper body, and yeah. he could catch. And he yeah. could move just as fast as anybody else. Oh, and he's so good, though, really, that it's like almost um, too overlooked mm -hmm. by casual fans. Because mm. pe some people don't notice how good he is. Mm. I'm talking about Dick Togo. And Sato, not the Sato, Amakusa, I'm sorry. <laughs> he chose Dick Togo Wrestling School. I want to learn from that guy. Mm. Yeah, so it was interesting. And it was interesting, too. Speaking of Michinoku Pro, that... There was a little bit of a connection there in the match right before that with Keno. And yeah, yeah. He's a Michinoku Pro guys or other wrestlers that were involved in this match didn't come up the typical New Japan School of Wrestling sure. or Old Japan School of Wrestling or, Noah. or, or Misawa School of Wrestling. Yeah. These are the outs really outsiders. Right, but the so talented individually. Mm. Therefore, they would have made it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That match really felt like uh, the next phase of Japanese pro wrestling but that's not New Japan either because of course the New Japan had a big involvement in the last three matches of course sure, sure. but as far as non-New Japan wrestlers Noah all Japan wrestlers we had six of maybe the best guys in the country mm -hmm. what would you think of that match okay I got the lineup right here yeah this guy, this one right there all Japan against all Japan versus uh, Noah yeah uh, Kento Miyahara Suama and Yuma Aoyagi against Kengo, Katsuhiko Nakajima, and Manabu Soya. Mm, Kongo. Kongo group, yeah. And this backstory Kento Miyahara and Katsuhiko Nakajima is a Kensuke Sasaki disciple, you know? Mm -hmm. They worked out and it is just rookie training, they were together. And the one went to, the Nakajima went to Pro Wrestling North, and Miyahara chose All Japan Pro Wrestling. Mm -hmm. And they both, this is such a just great history lesson that it was Kensuke Sasaki and Akira Hokuto who coached them, really. And they were in dojo together. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, the commentary table on top of that was a Masaki Tamiya, right? That's right, yeah. yeah. Another and Kensuke student. And at, after the match, he's like, it's like you're not the, the Miyahara pointed at, pointed at the, the Masaki Tamiya and told you're not good enough to be sitting there talking about us. Oh, you know yeah. what I'm saying? And, and you know what, Miyahara was great the couple of weeks before this because usually he likes to chat, chat. Yeah, yeah. He didn't say one word until very last off. Yeah, yeah. With Nakajima. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people at Tokyo Dome were excited for that. Yeah, and then also right now, see, all Japan pro wrestling have pretty strong roster, but the, it's too bad that the 
New Japan fans or pro wrestling fans are not paying that much attention to All Japan roster、mm. right now. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. The way they run shows. And、uh, the champion Carnival is still there. Triple Crown title is still there. Miyahara is just as good as any superstars,、mm-hmm. but it, not probably the way they promote or、mm-hmm. the way they run their tours. It just, the, if there was mainstream wrestling fans, but yeah, mainstream fan would be New Japan fan and Pro Wrestling All fan, right?、Mm-hmm. The people are not paying much attention to Kent Miyahara. It's just too bad, but it's, he is just as talented. And this really, this, this Tokyo Dome show really showcased what Miyahara can do.、Mm. Yeah. Miyahara is special because at the Tokyo Dome, he looked like a you know, megastar, but you know what? He does the same kind of shows at a small place like Shinjuku Face. And, and, he、yeah. and he still acts like he's in front、it's, of 30,000、yeah, people. Yeah, yeah. He, he has a special.、Uh, Very humble, yeah. Never give up charisma. Right, right. But、uh, he. It's not, he's not a New Japan style star、Mm-mm. and not a Noah star, but he wants to be with All Japan star and he really polished this and he cherished this triple ground you know, sto- stories and history. And this pretty much will probably lead into this historical event that Miyahara and Katsuhiko Nakajima will meet again in a single match situation somewhere down the line. I think so too. Yeah, yeah. I, there was also, you know, Suwama, who was kind of a big part of the, the early 2000s Muto. Yeah, well, Keiji Muto's old Japan, of course. Yeah. yeah. So, and a little later, he,、uh, we have Manabu Soya. Yeah. Another、and also, of- yeah, the Suama, Suama and Soya Manabu h a v his old Japan history. Yeah. And、uh, they were great together. You had,、mm-hmm. the, you had a little bit of the big man elements. This match completely、uh, spilled out to the floor, I think, within the first couple minutes.、Mm-hmm. It was great.、Mm-hmm. And, and Keno was there, and he has been a kind of main player for the, the, since the beginning of the year, but he played a great supporting role. Here. Yeah, he chose to do so,、mm-hmm. I guess, at this point. Yeah, at this,、mm-hmm. uh, during this match. Oh, we have、right. a run in. This, this is Kiki. Kiki. Yeah, right, because I'm at my house right now. So Kiki, Kiki wants to join. Kiki was just taking a nap, I think.、Uh, <laughs> he's up now. What's up,、yeah. Kiki? Yeah, but this, it was a good you know, opportunity for、uh, people like Ken On and you know, Katsuhiko Nakajima, the Kento Miyahara. that... I'm not saying it was a bigger stage, but it was a, in front of a different audience who normally don't have a chance to really see them live. And what I was pretty,、uh, I guess I was surprised about it, but the All Japan guys, it seemed like they, a lot of the fans were booing them because they, were so, they wanted them to be pro Noah, but I don't think they、They're、were also familiar. They were not so familiar with them. I yeah, think that's yeah, the main reason. Yeah. Because、yeah. Yuma Aoyagi can't be in, in triple, tri- triple Crown picture right now. If you want really to, charismatic yeah, and a、yeah. fast learner. Yeah. So, that, they were great. That was a really good t i m e So it was、match. probably time for New Japan fans and, and Pro Wrestling All fans to really actually start attending All Japan shows at、yeah. the Korakan. I hope so. Yeah, because they don't necessarily run Sumo Palace, they don't run Budokans, you know, the way they run shows now.、Mm. But、uh, yes, All Japan is still there. It's still there. <laughs>、yeah. and, the, and the talent that they have is great. But、um, I hope this. Kind of、um, gives them some momentum too. To, to keep your... people you know, start going to Old Japan show and then probably you know, they'll discover Saito Brothers or something. Sure, yeah. yeah.、Uh, we should probably use this to mention、uh, the Miyahara's Triple Crown match a couple days before. The, yeah, he the lost、Tokyo、to、uh, Nagata. Yuji Nagata. Yeah, but this is Yuji Nagata's story. Yeah. yeah. That he、uh, 
finally made this grand slam. IWGP champion, uh, GHC champion, and triple crown champion, and also winner of champion all Japan champion carnival tournament. Mm-hmm. So only what the four wrestlers, five wrestlers: Kojima, Keiji Muto, uh, Yoshihiro Takayama, and Tenru, mm-hmm. uh, Kensuke Sasaki. So those five, five. Yep. Yeah, but those are big five. I mean, and yeah. Nagata has to be there too. I think. Uh, right up there. Yeah, right up I there mean, with him. I know he's not very active in New Japan, but he he wrestles it's, the same yeah, way. Yeah, that's where the, uh, the, the New Japan is so much like WWE. Yeah, it is the big, huge roster, and and it's not that Nagata is not good anymore. It's just the, today's lineup that he's almost like overlooked. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. just they, they have a lot of talent. He can still work. He can still wrestle and put it in a main event situation. He can de- deliver it. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 So so I think he um he takes this uh I'm talking about Yuji Nagata. I think he's taking this triple crown run very seriously. Mm, yeah. Mm. So that yeah, that was on the, the Sunday, right? Just a couple days before the Tokyo Dome. So yeah, it was interesting that the the cover front cover of Weekly Pro Wrestling Shukan Pro Wrestling Magazine, the regular issue, the cover was Yuji Nagata's Triple Crown. Mm-hmm. Then bonus issue was Keiji Muto's retirement match. Right, yeah, right. Yeah, so the two issue came out this week. Yeah. So let's look at the rest of the uh, the card here. Yeah, I counted. This is like a one eleven, 11. match. Yeah, eleven matches, fifty eight wrestlers. Oh, 58 wrestlers. 58 wow. wrestlers. And they divided this 11 card into three segments, right? Mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't want to call it dark match, but it, basically dark match. Starting battle. Starting battle, yes. yes. Uh, that uh, Masaki Tamiya's tag team match, Tokyo Joshi eight, men, eight women tag team, and Jake Lee match was the third. Mm-hmm. You know? Then they give you, gave you a little intermission. Yes. Then the second uh, segment, primary stage, one, two, three, four. Four matches was like ten man tag team, eight man tag team, six man tag team, six man tag team. Mm-hmm. A lot of wrestlers. Yeah, but it w- went pretty. Uh, yeah, quickly. it was fast. Yeah, yeah, yeah I felt fast. The matches yeah. were quite short. Unfortunately, during the this middle match with the good looking guys and uh, and uh, oh wait, no, excuse me, that wasn't that match. It was the Dragon Gate versus Noah. I think Diamante hurt his arm. Oh, that's what happened. And and I think the match ended a little early. Yeah. But uh yeah, he earned his left arm. For Ninja Mac fans, he, they really didn't have time. Right. Yeah, to showcase what Ninja Mac can do. He could only do his uh super flying double backflip. Double double backflip thing. Yeah. yeah. And surprise not so surprised, but but it's just like Marufuji, mm. the the captain, team leader, right? He stepped back and he didn't do too much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so I guess that was his choosing. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, uh, before I forget, there was a, you know, the, the eight-man, no, ten-man tag team. Ah, yes, the Noah match. It was all Noah, Noah match. Matches. What Yoshinari Ogawa did was so smart. He did not tag in once. Then his, his team won. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And I don't, that's very, it's a very subtle, uh, like, a nuance of the match because there was so much chaos and mess going on. But... And also, when you have 10-man tag team match, not every single matching up is like five guys in each team and, you know, keep tagging in and out, in and out, and just to do your high spot. Mm-hmm. Yoshinari Oga was so smart, he didn't even bother coming in. He did the entrance. He was introduced as a team captain, and let other guys work with their, what they do, and his team won. Mm-hmm. I mean, he did not tag in once, but uh, I remember 
Because the, he, the story revolves around him. So he understood that what happens, he's going to be looked at as a part of the story too. But that's not, that doesn't mean he has to be a big. Come in and do his stuff. No, he didn't. He didn't need to. His t- teammates, Eita and Hayata and Chris Ridgeway and the, the Daga guy, yeah, mm-hmm. they did what they did mm-hmm. against people like Yohei and uh, the, the Seiki and Yoshioka, Yoshioka and Arhandoro. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And for for me, it's like uh, Junta Miyawaki is like, whoa, have I ever seen this guy? <laughs> he looked completely different last year. And yeah. you know what? The next day after this Tokyo Dome show, he flew to Mexico for his next excursion. Okay, that's very good. Yeah, and not on CMLL. He's on the mo- smaller uh, little... Yeah, there are so many different promotions yeah. in Mexico now. So, yeah. So That'll he... be good when he comes back. Mm-hmm. Right, very good. Did you know his second match in Mexico was a cage match? Already? Uh, last year. Oh, okay. But Interesting. It, IWRG and some other smaller okay, companies. Okay. So he's kind of, yeah, he, he went there. He's there now, and I'm sure he'll come back maybe this summer. And longer hair and a different costume. Yeah. Probably different new, I mean, new finish, something. Sure. Yeah. It's very exciting to think about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So those were the all tag team. That really made main matches so much more special. You got, you got three big single match coming up. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. And it didn't feel like any of these earlier matches, they didn't overstay. They didn't uh, linger too much. It really felt like, here's some action. Here's a taste of everything. Oh, none of these matches went over 10 minutes. It's mm-hmm. like a six minute, nine minute there, seven minute there, barely 10 minutes there. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But it worked because it was going to, it was a long show anyway. Oh, yeah. But long, people long wanted night. to watch Muto go for a long time. Of that course. was about 30 minutes, I believe. Uh, it was 28 minutes and 58 seconds. Yeah. Like a 30 minute yeah. almost. Yeah. So, and not one rope work. Yeah, during the match, Keiji Muto, neither Keiji Muto or Tetsuya Naito bounced off the rope once. See, look at And it's Naito, and that's not what you think when you think of Naito, but, you know, he's a, a genius of nuance. Yeah. Like Muto. Yeah. Do more by doing less. Yeah, less yeah. is more. Yeah, yeah. And it was a little bit similar kind of match when he did it with like uh, with Kano last month. It was mm. more of a storytelling match. Or, sure. Or his Jericho brawls. Those yeah. were very different for him too. And people pay attention to like every step of the way with this kind of match. Not just a bunch of, just like a high spot and running through the ropes 100 miles an hour and one high spot after another. You don't remember what you ate at the, this big buffet. Right? You're just <laughs> stuffing, stuffing, <clears throat> stuffing. One other thing I wanted to mention about Naito was it was, you can't really tell with the camera because it wasn't, a, when the camera was away from his face, he would always have closed eyes. Same as at the press conference on Monday before, too. He kept uh, kind of hiding his emotion, hiding his Naito face. Was? Naito was? Yeah. Naito, uh, Okay. More so than usual. Mm. I think there was a, a lot of nerves. He had a lot of nerves. Well, because this was his special night. This was his, his dream. Was chosen. His destino. <clears throat> his destino, right. It was interesting that the, the fact wasn't hiding, you know, hidden that the Naito became... 
wrestling fan and also he decided to become a professional wrestler when he watched Muto against Nobuhiko Takata match at the Tokyo Dome. Mm-hmm. This is a famous story. And uh, when he went to primary school, he would always wear a Keiji Muto shirt, <laughs> shirt under yeah. his uh, uniform. Yeah. So, yeah, and I, it's a kind of a passing of the torch, just like last month with Shinsuke Nakamura. Yeah, definitely, definitely, yeah. yeah. I was really hoping uh, Naito come out with a shaved head. Uh, yeah, he will probably eventually do that, I well, guess. I mean, yeah. his hair is very thin right now, so... <laughs> yeah, eventually, yeah. Yeah. With go- new goatee, probably. Sure. Yeah. Oh, my gosh, that would be cool. Well, but it's another stage that... Uh, right when Muto shaved his head, it was really shocking, you know? It was right after his WCW thing. Yep. And came back with the Inoki Bomaya show. Mm-hmm. He, had a, he had a hoodie on, you know, they walk into this, you know, long Tokyo Dome ramp or something. And then he takes this, you know, hood off and all of a sudden, well, is that the new look? And he was really tan from, yeah. and and he was with Takara, his his no, rival. But, right. But the, that was hustle era. Yes. Yeah. But yeah. that was uh, another really dramatic right. part right. of Symbolic. his, just right. how he took that a towel off of his head was so dramatic. Yeah, right. So and, it's like uh, a new, therefore, new era began. Yeah. yeah. And we saw that too. It just, it, it really I can't is. believe it was like 20 years ago now. Right? Yeah. I can oh, remember. It's over 20 years, 22 years more like. Yeah. Yeah. I think we're more reminded of those kind of things because we can see the clips on the internet. Yeah. Yeah. And it's more yeah. fresh in our head. But um, Muto's story is just, it's so long and detailed. Right. Right. And well documented. Mm hmm. And, uh, yeah, just, uh, if you can connect these dots, it means so much more. Mm-hmm. I mean, he shows little details and little hint and nuance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's sometimes with Keiji Muto, if you really are interested in learning about this, turn the sound off and watch Keiji Muto. Oh, yeah, you can do that. Yeah. And really just pay attention. And he's speaking. Yeah, remember this, you know, like, first figure for leg lock by Muto. Right, mm-hmm. and the, the, the twenty minute in, it was Naito's turn to put a figure for leg lock, right? Mm-hmm. And on screen, you can't really, you know, hear them, right? But mm-hmm. the, on the big screen, Muto and Naito yelling at each other, or something. Yeah. Like, I think like Naito a, is spitting at yeah, him. Yeah, something. Yeah, and then but you, it's like a pantomiming. Mm-hmm. You cannot hear what they're saying, but you can tell what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it reminds me of that original match they had when Naito was still Stardust Naito, Stardust mm-hmm. Genius. The figure four leg lock was a big part of that match too. Sure, sure. And it was all it was tied to that. It felt kind of like the Takada match, the beginning of that uh, Tokyo Dome. Yeah, but that one. at the time Naito was going to be a you know you know he was going to be a star you know one way or another but uh, it was like there's no it's like a, like today's Kiyomiya. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah at the time that's good. there's no way that Naito can beat Muto at that stage mm-hmm. or but he, uh, how much he could do I yeah. remember when he won the G1 around that time they were, it was kind of like the Kaito Kiyomiya Roman Reigns like okay he's going to yeah, sure. but the crowd didn't accept it yet cuz it's he, hard Nakamura yeah. Tanahashi and Shibata at the time yeah. and Okada was still on the way sure, up too so sure. he it wasn't until he did the LIJ and he got the goatee sure. the hat the coolness right right and the play yeah, yeah. And I think that really put him over the top. But he didn't change all that much. He just added. And then also kept doing, kept kept being this, like a building and creating Tetsuya Naito character, you know, along the way. And just he did it long enough that the people accept that's 
Tetsuya Naito now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and you know what? Kaki. I mean, you know? Ka- but the, the, the template or the, the function is almost the same as Muto, where the, they grew and built. Oh, because there was a time like a Space Long Wolf, Muto, and the younger, sure. you know, Muto coming back Super from Black Stateside. Ninja. That, then people didn't really accept him right away. Mm-hmm. Really. Mm-hmm. Booed him. In a way. You know, I read something, maybe you could tell me more about this, but he Muto claims that Inoki never gave him praise. Ever. Uh but is that Inoki more a, recognized him. But he never said. He never uh, gave him the attaboy uh, kind of attitude. But then again, you could kinda of understand that by Inoki's action. When Inoki started his retirement tour. Mm-hmm. Great Muta was Inoki's very first opponent. That's right. Remember? What a match, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like a, like a wall. <clears throat> yeah, so he, he chose Muto to begin. You know, Inoki I'm talking about. Inoki chose Great Muta to be his very first opponent of grand final retirement tour. Mm. And in the dome situation. Yeah. You know, it's funny that a lot of people were saying, oh, when, when is Muto finally going to actually retire? But they got to remember that Inoki took I th- more than a year Oh, the retirement tour? Yeah. And actually, in 1989, when he became politician, it's essentially he was retiring. Mm. But he came back for Tokyo Dome, the Osaka Dome, the Fukuoka Dome, the, the Dome situation. Had kept having this important single match, one against, you know, like a Choshu, against, one against Tenru. Mm. And there was a one against Hiroshi Hase. Fujinami too? Fuji, Fujinami didn't do it. Oh. Fujinami Inoki final was 1988, August 8th. That, that, that yeah, 60-minute, yeah. 60-minute Broadway. Yeah, champion Fujinami and challenger was Inoki. So it's a different situation. But Inoki's retirement tour took like three years or so. Yeah, mm-hmm. One, uh, the final match against like uh, Fujiwara. Sure. And, yeah. Or well, at the end, Down Fright, The Sting, the mm. yeah. Henzo Gracie. Yeah, something like that. So, <clears throat> But the first opponent Inoki chose for that retirement tour was Great Muta. Another thing I'm thinking <clears throat> about from this Tokyo Dome show is, uh, you know, that time period, that style of wrestling that was popular, Inoki style, Inokiism or whatever, or realistic or MMA style. We didn't see any of that on It was Tokyo. Muto. It was Muto's yeah. show. That's probably part of the reason that uh, that uh, Muto didn't feel that he uh, didn't really, you know, have any pat on his back from Inoki ever. I see. I yeah, because Muto had his own style and never really emulated Inoki. Mm-hmm. He didn't. And well, he- of course, Inoki school of wrestling, New Japan Dojo, but he never tried to become or wrestle like Inoki. Mm-hmm. And his, everybody else did, though. His guys, like Kojima, Kaz Hayashi, they weren't like that either. They were like right. Muto school. Yeah, Muto school, that too. Yeah. Like, um, they were pro wrestlers that were also very concerned about making an impression on the fans. Yeah, yeah. And uh, not just winning. Yeah, because remember, Fujinami is like like complete Inoki school of wrestling. And like actually, Inoki and Ricky Choshu actually is very Inoki part of you know, school. Actually, yeah. He, yeah, like though, a fired up and, you know, like a punches and, yeah. yeah. Even though he said, uh, you know, he, he broke yeah, away, but he was... Yeah, like a revolutionary or something, but it's still never break away from Inoki school wrestling. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, everybody around, I mean, the, the same time, time period. Mm. I but think- the Muto really wasn't Inoki style at all. He was more... Well, an American style wrestler, if anything. 
compared with other uh, of his peers. Objective you know? is what I what it was. Yeah, yeah. he didn't em emulate Inoki. Mm. He had he, his own yeah, style. Yeah, yeah, and he knew what he wanted to do. He could do Muto could have done UWF style too, but sure. he didn't want to. Mm. You know, and then told Maeda, nobody's gonna dig your style. Mm. <laughs> and they got into a. a the fist fight. Yeah, but it was like a, not a fist fight. It was actually told by our, our you know, the, the like last ep last week's episode. Mm -hmm. Seiji Sakaguchi got in the middle. Mm -hmm. say, each guy punch each guy's one one punch. That's it. <laughs> I, that was a dinner table. So though. can you tell that story? Because there's a there's, there's a lot of different sto versions of the story, a right? Very, it's an urban legend. Yeah, because Kumamoto, he, right? yeah, Kumamoto Ryokan, and it was like. A, no video camera, nothing, and actually New Japan roster and UWF roster sit in the same room having gohan. Kind of like a, like dinner. a peace dinner, treaty, peace treaty. Well, it's, it's way out in the countryside and there's no restaurants open. They ate at the hotel. Yeah. How do you describe yokan? Yokan is like, I don't know. Japanese like, inn? Inn, yeah. yeah like a kind of bed and breakfast? Not a bed and breakfast, but the Japanese ryokan was like a big onsen hot, hot spring. spring and uh, sleeping on the tatami mat room. And really nice, nice food. And, and the, this ryokan will serve you food. Mm. You know, so everybody got in a big, like a banquet room. The Every single wrestler from roster, Inoki Top, Sakaguchi, to all, all, all these, you know, Fujinami and New Japan roster, and Maeda, Fujiwara, Takada, you know, UWF roster in the same room eating Japanese gohan together. Mm -hmm. And Muto, like a second year rookie, it's like, nobody digs your style, it's boring. Uh, and the alcohol was flowing. I mean, flat out to Maeda. And, and then it, it wasn't like a nasty fight. So, that the uh, lieutenant Sakaguchi this time again, he got in the middle. Maeda, Muto, allow you to punch one punch. He's like a father. Yeah. So all right. Then and then Muto gave this strong motion, you know, and ran into him and gave one big punch to Maeda. Mm -hmm. And then Maeda said, "Okay, I'm gonna give you one punch." Then right into the eye. And there's a picture I've seen. Yeah, the puffed up eyes. He's know? smiling, but there's a big puffy eye. Yeah. Yeah, and then he didn't even work the next day. <laughs> <laughs> but that's a really that's a very interesting. Like a part. college fraternity jock style. Yeah. Yeah. yeah because. They weren't enemies, you know. It's just uh, you work against each other in the ring, and they are the wrestlers mm -hmm. that uh, it's like one punch each. You, you know, Sakaguchi allowed, you know. And uh, after that, not no more this, no more this. Okay. Fair. Yeah. So it was like, all right, one uh, each each guy will give each other one one punch, and uh, that was the end of the story. But there, that, that's a good example of that professional uh, competition that they had between. And the, my style, my way of thinking is superior to yours. I'm going to prove it doing this. I'm going to prove it doing fighting. I'm going to prove it with uh, uh, fantastic acrobatics. What, there's no real right or wrong answer. It ultimately, it's subjective. It's down to taste. But um, Muto stuck with that. And that line that he said to Maida... It's kind of his sense of humor, right? Like the interview, uh, post-match interview, he said about Naito. He said, uh, if the wrestling business goes down, it's your fault. He's kind of a, 
Telling, of, well, it's fan. a joke, but it's telling the truth. Yeah, yeah. He's he's unafraid to say and what Ruki everybody's Maeda thinking. didn't. Uh, Ruki Muto back in 1986, seven mm. didn't think what Maeda was doing is entertaining. And on the other hand, Maeda is somebody who famously had a a lot of pride in his training. Yeah, and of it, course. Uh, no, I'm not gonna bounce off ropes. Mm. Not doing drop kicks. Mm -hmm. Not fighting outside the ring. You gotta do the make believe. This just car gotch wrestling. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was like what Maeda and his guys really did. Uh, at the same time, though, like a dad, father, Inoki, always told everybody that back in my days, there was no wrestling in MMA. It was all the same. Nah, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. He, he's got, I mean, he took that to the grave, mm -hmm. you know? He took it to the grave. Yeah, he took it to the grave. Even, Back even in today, his days, it was, you know, like, it was all real in my days kind of thing. Even today, it's on people's minds, that kind of... Uh, if you grew up watching Inoki. Yeah. 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 yeah the, there is a new generation of fans who probably just started watching with sort New Japan. Sort of know-it-all. <laughs> yeah. But their, their point of uh, reference, it only goes back to like Muto. I know, you know. I know. So, did you know that the New Japan World, that the streaming service, mm -hmm. the oldest match today's audience watch, you know, the archive, mm -hmm. Muto against Takada, that was the oldest thing. All kinds of Inoki matches in it, and the today's fans are not watching it. Inoki, Mai, the Choshi, it's all there. Well, well, Inoki against Strong Kobayashi, Inoki against Sakaguchi, Inoki against Kintaro Oki, Inoki against what, uh, Taiga Jitsun and all. And or the, even Inoki against Hulk Hogan 1983. Or, or, or. They don't watch it. Ruska and. Oh, the uh, Judoka? And yeah. uh, Monster Man? Ken, the, Ken, uh, Ken uh, what was his name? Willie Williams? Willie Williams, of course. Oh, the Karate, mm -hmm. Kyokushin Karate? Yep. It's in it though, but nobody's watching it. Not not nobody, but the today's fan. And it's like watching Inoki's matches are like a, you go back and watch grandpa's wrestling match. But it's almost like saying you watch WWE and you don't know about Andre the Giant versus. Oh, the Hulk Bruno Hogan. San Martino, or even yeah, that, yeah, or Bob Backlund. For yeah, that who's matter. that? Right, Bob Backlund is the guy against Bret Hart. <laughs> yeah, but the Bret Hart. Before Bret Hart, yeah, the Bob Backlund had this had a six-year run yeah. as WWF champion. He was the bridge oh, between the 60s and 70s. Bruno San Martino had two separate, two different runs. Yeah, and they were almost one was almost a decade. Yeah, right. That would never happen today. No, no, no. Probably one year they call it like a champion for 300 days, right? <laughs> right, right. Yeah, they're counting days, but it's just a year. Well, because yeah, yeah. 300, 400, that sounds great. Yeah, but they started counting it that yeah. way. But uh, right, Bruno San Martino, Pedro Morales, Bob Backlund, yeah, all of superstar Billy Graham for, the, for that matter. They had length time. Uh, Andre too. Oh, a little bit, yeah. Well, but that's a different. Uh, story, not not yeah. a champion, but the, yeah. They, the 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 back longevity. History, yeah. I, I think that there's no excuse to to not find it. if you like it if you love New this. Japan World. They have all the Inoki's classic yeah. matches in there. Now is the time, yeah, to watch, yeah. So. But what the symbolic another symbolic match was Inoki, Kevin Van Erich against Space Wolf, Muto, and Kengo Kimura match. That was a very interesting uh, one. Kengo Kimura is another person who was really important in and that. Yeah, Fujinami's partner. Yeah. And also from from back, he looks just like Inoki. Yeah. Very tall <laughs> taller than usual. Yeah. 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 Huh. So it was a, so overlooked. Yeah. But the, that was completely Inoki school of wrestling. Everybody had this 
genuine strong style. I mean, not not today's strong style, but the, when Inoki was calling in New Japan strong style, everybody wrestled like that. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Well, I well, Fujiwara Omaeda came out of it, and the Muto was so unique individually right from the get go. Mm. Yeah. But he was also one of those guys. He was one of the first. He was a big international star when we had TV. Everyone had TV. Right. And also, New Japan was on network TV, primetime still. And when he went to States, there was territories. Mm -hmm. NWA Florida. He went to Puerto Rico. He went to world-class Dallas. And we joined the beginning of WCW and the NWA Crockett. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of fans, especially Southern wrestling fans, he was a big part of Southern wrestling particularly. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. NWA Florida and the rookie was Lex Luger. Sure. Yeah. But they, they were... That early, those early times, they had a lot of unique, distinct. You had Sting, you had a classic Ric Flair, you had Buzz Sawyer, John, sure. and Great Muta was he was right there with them. There was a the big in Florida, match, yeah? he was ninja, and the Puerto Rico black ninja, and and Dallas world class, he was super ninja. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. so they didn't call him Muto or anything. It's just still, still kind of stereotype for Japanese wrestler. All right, that guy's a ninja. Yeah, because they already used Kabuki. <laughs> I guess, yeah. yeah. And Great Muta was introduced as son of Great Kabuki right. by Gary Hart. Right. Yeah. And so it- he experienced this territory days and WCW, like a major league type. type. Yeah. And brought a really different flavor back with him to New Japan. And also he wrestled Ric Flair's NWA title mm-hmm. match all summer. Yeah. And his he because uh, New Japan wrestler never wrestled Ric Flair until then. Oh, right, yeah, right. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Because NWA meant All Japan Giant Bob Affiliate. That's right. Yeah. And then by around the time Muto was in the States, that deal was done. Right, right. And and, and then pretty soon WCW and New Japan had a partnership. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. the landscape had changed. Yeah, and he was on the face of and he and then he would end up having matches with the nineties stars Steiners and Lex Luger Sting and uh uh Scott Norton, Hercules Hernandez and uh he was the guy you if and you... also when Hulk Hogan returned to ah. Japan right between WWF and WCW signing, the one-year period that uh, Hulk Hogan pretty much you know, came to New Japan and New Japan only, and Keiji Muto and Great Muta was chosen opponent for Hulk Hogan. And Hulk time. Hogan was saying the WWF title is nothing. <laughs> yeah, he had a belt on his shoulder too. Yeah, <laughs> And also Great Muta, Hulk Hogan against Hellraisers. Oh, right, right. Yeah. So Muto was chosen there. I mean, who would be Hulk Hogan's opponent in, in the early 90s? You know, F- Fujinami was around, Ricky Joshi was around, maybe Inoki was still, you know, he could have matches, but it was New Japan's choosing that the, let's have Keiji Muto wrestle Hulk Hogan. Yeah. And if you look back, you go, well, it had to be. That was, was him. It had yeah, to it be. It had to be him. Yeah. So, all right. Well, Let's Did we do it okay? I think so. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if you have uh, questions for us or comments, where can we reach you? Uh, on Twitter, at Fumihiko Dayo, F-U-M-I-H-I-K-O-D-A-Y-O, Fumihiko Dayo, or just Fumi Saito on, twi- uh, on Facebook. Please message me first. I'll answer you. And on Twitter, I'm at Justin M. Nipper, K-N-I-P-P-E-R. Uh, so for today, that's it. I guess we'll 
See you next week. So, okay, let's do it. Say, no. So, so long, long from, from Tokyo. Tokyo.